The devil's not creative. He's not. He's using the same tactics he's always used since the beginning of the dawn of man. God is creative. God is creative and is constantly making all things new. Okay, you guys, a crazy thing happened. Okay, we were doing a blood drive at our church, um, and this was nuts. A priest, a pastor, and a rabbit walked in to donate blood. And the nurse, she looked at the rabbit, and she was like, well, what's your blood type? And the rabbit said, I'm probably a typo. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 152. I just really love that joke for some reason. Uh, we start every episode here with a dad joke. So if you're a first-time listener, I hope that brought you joy. And by the way, if you're listening for the first time, please rate and review this podcast. Now, I know if you're listening uh, many times, you've heard this uh, a lot, but we don't have many recent reviews and ratings on this podcast. So even if you've rated this podcast in the past, would you go do me a favor and rate it again or give it another review just on the things that you enjoy about it? That would be awesome. It helps other people find it, brings it higher up in the queue when people are searching for Catholic podcasts. So that would be great. While you're at it, head over to our website, manafoodforthought.com. I've been slowly editing it and getting it up to date, uh, and you can see uh, some great things there. You can click on, I believe, the support or give button there. I can't remember what I called it, um, but you, that'll take you to our Patreon page where you can support us financially for as little as $1 a month. Uh, and you can also subscribe now on our um, on our website so I can build a uh, an email list and you can get uh, eventually notified of when there's a new podcast or a blog or something like that and, and other fun things that we do. So uh, things are happening, people. Things are happening. And when you become a patron, patrons get perks. And I, I've got the energy, y'all. I've got the momentum. Perks are going to be coming. So thank you so much for all of you who support this podcast in your prayer financially and just by listening and telling other people about it. Without further ado, let's get into our episode, episode 153. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy this week is that this past weekend was the feast day of my confirmation saint, St. Casimir. And I, I share a little bit about him depending on what version of my testimony I give. And, and I talked about him a little bit uh, on the RCIA retreat that I led. And I had a couple people from there and just some friends of mine reach out to me and wish me a happy feast day. And it's just nice that like these little small details um, about me that I find very meaningful, but other people might just kind of pass over. Uh, people remembered that and took the time to reach out to me. So that was really beautiful and brought me a lot of joy. Um, also, uh, I've been teaching Hannah to read, my daughter to read, and she is so excited when she gets these words right and just putting them together. And it's I found a way to do it that's just very quick and easy to where she can like learn how to read a word very, very fast um, and not focus so much on learning all the letters and how every letter sounds, but like building from basic building blocks and, and going from there. So she was she was reading like full three or four word sentences, you know, after about 15 minutes um, with certain, you know, words that I was choosing, but, um, she was very excited about it. She was so excited to go to school today and tell her teacher, she's like, I'm going to go tell my teacher that I know how to read. And I was like, you should say that you know how to read some words, <laughs> not that you know how to read, but she's very excited. So that, that brought me a lot of joy to see her doing so well with that and being so happy, um, feeling so accomplished. Um, uh, my junk is that, uh, we still have kind of the never ending 
cough circulating in our house. I mean, we're pretty much all over it, but it's circulating still through our best friend's house. And so we haven't been able to see them. And my wife has been battling a migraine. So if you could just, and she gets them real bad. So if you could just pray for her, uh, they happen once in a, in a, a rare blue moon, but they are, they're brutal when she gets them. So please pray for her. She's uh, on the mend. It seems like today, but, um, your prayers definitely are appreciated. Jesus moment. Um, I was able to lead worship for a local worship night uh, this past week, and um, and gave a, a talk um, at a local parish for their adult formation series on the virtues. And um, I don't know, kind of two different Jesus moments, one from each that, but kind of similar in the sense that for the the worship night, I don't think that the person who was coordinating it got over to the church where I was to help me set up until like ten minutes before this event. And I think usually I would have been very concerned, like, is this going to be good? Like, is this going to be bad? We're waiting until the last minute here. And I was just so calm and okay with it because I just knew, like, God is going to work. Like, it just, I don't know, I felt this very profound, deep sense of trust in the Lord that I don't have to worry about this. And um, and it was a great night of worship. And I wasn't caught up thinking about, like, oh, could I have done better? And, and not thinking about me, me, me. And I, I don't know, I've just felt like Lent has been a great opportunity for me to detach from self and really think of others and think more about what is pleasing to the Lord versus what I want. And that's been really beautiful and freeing. Um, and gave a great talk at St. Killian's. Uh, I got there and, you know, was hooking up my laptop while I was being introduced. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like kind of uh, immediately like tempted to be overwhelmed. But I was like, you know what, this is going to work. And if the slides don't work, that's okay. Um, and they ended up working out just fine and the talk went great. And I was very, very grateful to be there, uh, and for them for having me. And so, um, yeah, this talk, uh, or this, this episode, um, I'm going to, I'm going to read through the second reading like I always do, but I'm going to kind of take a piece of that talk that I gave at St. Killian's just kind of a, a little summary of it. Uh, cause I think it really, uh, shines through in the second reading for this Sunday. So this Sunday, the reading comes from Romans chapter five, again, but it's a different part of Romans chapter 5. We're reading verses 1 and 2 and then 5 to 8. Romans, especially Romans 5, talks a lot about justification, uh, the fact that we're only justified, um, meaning we're only found worthy of salvation because of what Jesus did for us, because of what God does for us. We can't earn it. But it goes on to talk about righteousness and to talk about how we have this ongoing responsibility to then live up to the response in receiving the gift of salvation, we have to live in response to it. Uh, and so we're going to read just a little snippet of that section from Romans. So this is from Romans chapter 5. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He says, Brothers and sisters, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person. Though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what stood out to me, mainly because I was preparing for this talk for St. Killian's on the virtues, was that the three theological virtues are present in this passage, faith, hope, and love. And yes, it focuses on the fact that we only have faith because of what Jesus did for us, that our hope is in the Lord, and that 
the love of God has been poured into our hearts and that he showed his love for us that while we're still sinners, he died for us. But we are made in the image and likeness of God. And if God gives us these gifts of faith, hope, and love, we are meant to receive them and give them as a gift to others. And so these three things, faith, hope, and love, they're called the theological virtues. Uh, You see them in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, so faith, hope, and love remain these three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's true. We know in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, uh, if one does not know love, they do not know God, for God is love. He is the very manifestation of love itself, uh, even in the innermost relationship of the Trinity. You have Father, Son, and Spirit, the lover, the beloved, and the love in between them. They are in themselves a loving relationship, and love cannot exist outside of a relationship. Otherwise, it's just a concept, something we can't really explain or examine or study. It has to be lived in the context of a relationship, which is why it makes sense that God is a trinity. So anyway, these theological virtues, um, faith, hope, and love, these, these virtues, they're not things that we can necessarily find on our own. The church actually teaches that these are given to us as gifts at the moment of our baptism. And yes, we can do things to grow in them, But we must first receive them as gifts. And part of receiving them as gifts is having the openness and the open hands, the open heart, to be willing to accept whatever God offers. You know, I think a lot of times when we approach the Lord in prayer, we have our own idea of how we want God to answer us. We have kind of our blueprint for what our life should be, and we're holding that in our hands, and we're asking God to give us it. But he wants to give us other things, and he can't because our hands are clasped around this one blueprint, this one plan, this one idea. And so his gifts just float past us or fall flat. We don't receive them because our hands, uh, as a representation of our hearts, are not open. We're clinging to these ideas or these things that we think will make us happy or fulfill us when God knows so much more what we really need. And so first we have to approach God as the giver of gifts and that he is a good father who only gives us good gifts. And even if bad things happen to us, even if they seem to be uh, happened at the uh, uh, bequest or at the, the out of the will of God, uh, even though God doesn't will anything evil or any, any suffering to happen to us, he permits it to respect our free will. But even then, he will find a way to turn that into a gift. You will find a way to turn that into something good. You know, it's like I always quote from Romans 8, for, um, all things work for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so um, been thinking about that, been thinking about the virtues um, and giving that talk on them. And, and as I was doing that and formulating the talk, I was thinking about the gospel from a few weeks ago of Jesus being tempted in the desert and looking at those three main temptations, you know, to turn this stone into bread to throw yourself down from this temple and be rescued by angels and, you know, be spectacular for everyone and to uh, receive all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus would just bow down and worship the devil. And I was thinking about these three temptations and realizing that these are the same temptations that we all face. They're temptations of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Turning stone to bread, that's temptation of the flesh, temptation of the body, right? Um, Throw yourself down from here and let everyone see how spectacular you are. That's a temptation of, um, of uh, worldliness, a temptation of, uh, of the soul, like selling our soul or giving our soul over to the uh, accolades and approval of others. Uh, it's a temptation of the world. And then uh, when 
the devil doubles down on that and says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. If you but bow down and worship to me, that's a temptation of the devil. And, um, that temptation of, of, again, the soul giving over the soul, um, so that we will worship, you know, what we're not meant to worship. And so these temptations that Jesus goes through, uh, are temptations that we all go through. We all suffer from temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are the, the three categories of temptation. And I think it says in Hebrews, like, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way, yet without sin. Uh, and so in the temptations of Jesus, we find kind of a blueprint for how we are called to fight temptation. But I also saw here a similarity to um, and, and kind of a alignment with the practices of Lent and how these point us to the theological virtues. So I, stay with me on this, okay? So you have the three temptations of Jesus, okay? Temptation of the flesh, turn the stone to bread. Temptation of the world, throw yourself down. And temptation of the, the devil, uh, bow down and worship me. And I think those really are attacks against the body. Okay, that's temptation of the flesh. The mind, because when we're obsessed with the world and what the world thinks of us, we start thinking so much in our mind, like what other people think of us, we get consumed. Our thoughts get consumed about other people's opinions of us. And then temptation against the soul, which is to sell our soul over to the devil. So this is really uh, this is really the devil trying to attack our mind, body, and soul using these three temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But what's great is that our church offers us during the season of Lent three practices that are completely antithetical to those temptations. So if you're struggling with the temptation of the, of the flesh, of the body, what does the church offer you? Fast. Fast during the season of Lent. Say no to bodily carnal things so that you will have better self-control. Say yes to the small faithful sacrifices so that when the larger ones come, it'll be easier for you to say yes to them. Um, almsgiving. This is uh, opposite of the temptations of the world. Instead of thinking this temptation in our mind of like how everyone else uh, views us, what their opinion of us is, very self-focused, we detach from the things of the world and the opinion of others and the possessions and the things that we think make us influential or appeal attractive to others. And we focus instead on what can I give? How can I serve? And then lastly, the temptation of the soul to bow down and worship the devil, give ourselves over to evil, well, prayer. Prayer is the Lenten practice that reroots our soul in the Lord and not in the things of this world or the things of the devil so that we can be rightly oriented and prioritize the right things in our lives. And so you see, hopefully you can see how these three temptations of Jesus are the temptations of the flesh, the world, and the devil, how they directly attack the body, the mind, and the soul, and how the church offers us these three Lenten practices of fasting, uh, almsgiving, and prayer to answer them. And what I found in thinking about the virtues is really, when you look at that kind of correlation, you also see a correlation with the three theological virtues. That when we do acts of almsgiving and charity, when we're experiencing those temptations of the world, temptations of the mind to be focused on ourselves and what we can get, when we start thinking of the will to willing the good of the other, we grow in the theological virtue of love, of charity. When we fast and we say no to temptations of the body, to these temptations of the flesh, we are rightly rooting ourselves in the things that actually fulfill us, the things that actually give us hope and meaning. 
Now, this one might be a, a looser of a, a, a correlation, but I think you see this when people lose hope, you see how it directly affects their body. You know, you, you hear this phrase like, oh, that person really let themselves go. You know, when people are in despair when they're in hopelessness, that really affects their body. And it's difficult to have kind of restraint or self-control when you don't have some sense of purpose in that, when you don't have something you're working towards, some sense of hope. And in, in the grand scheme of things in our spiritual life, that theological virtue, I think, is most oriented toward um, being aligned with the practice of fasting and to fight the temptations of the body against the flesh. And then lastly, the temptations um, against the temptations of the devil, those attacks against our soul, um, the practice of prayer, that is the theological virtue of faith. That when we hand our, ourselves over to the Lord and we say, okay, Lord, like it's no longer what I want. It's no longer I want all this influence and power and to receive all the kingdoms of the world and that I know best. I'm reminding myself that you know best and I can trust in you. And I'm going to surrender. I'm going to enter into relationship with you to humble myself. And that really is the act of faith. It's that faith is not just a set of things you believe. It is a relationship of trust where we recognize like God is in control and we are not. And so I guess all of that to say the second reading really painted for me this kind of correlation. Uh, these three temptations of Jesus we talked about a few w- weeks ago are a um, symbol or a representation of all of the temptations we face of, again, the flesh, the world, the devil, the mind, the body, the soul, and that the Lenten practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving directly oppose those temptations. And when we root ourselves more firmly in those things, we can grow in the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Even though we only first receive them as gift, once we receive them, we can grow in them, we can do that work and lean more intentionally into them so that they will spill out and overflow into our lives, just as they've overflowed out of God's loving self-embrace to us as a gift. We are created in the image and likeness of God. God is love, so we're created in the image and likeness of love. And love is the greatest of those theological virtues, as it said in 1 Corinthians 13. And out of these, love springing forth and related to faith and hope, spring forth the cardinal virtues of temperance, justice, fortitude, and, and prudence. Uh, and th- that's maybe a conversation for another time. And, you know, I give a whole hour-long talk on this, and this is just one little snippet of it. But um, if I f- get a recording of that talk, which I believe I will, I'll, I'll um, include it as maybe a bonus thing in the podcast. I'll do that for you patrons first, those of you who support us. So if you want to hear that talk, you really want that. And it, I think it'll be a video as well, so you can actually see the slides and the representation of this more clearly. Um, you'll get that, especially if you're a patron. So that's all I have for you this week. Uh, I hope that benefits you. I hope that helps you in your Lenten journey, helps you be inspired to recommit to these Lenten practices and to see how each of these battles, these common temptations we face, the world, flesh, and devil, and that we have to really be uh, have a coherent approach to our spiritual life. It's not just the, the soul. It's the body, the mind, and the soul. The devil's trying to attack all three. We need all these Lenten practices. We need these theological virtues, and we need a holistic and whole uh, approach to our spiritual life so that there won't be uh, trap doors or, you know, uh, sneaky ways the devil can find his way in. That if we have a, a holistic approach to our spiritual life and really rooting ourselves in these gifts that God has given us and the virtues and seek to cultivate and grow in them, then we're going to be strengthening ourselves and having more and more tools in our arsenal against the devil and his, his very repeated tactics. The devil's not creative. He's not. He's using the same tactics he's always used since the beginning of the dawn of man. Uh, 
God is creative. God is creative and is constantly making all things new. Okay? So when you learn these basic tactics of the devil and the basic practices to root against them, if you can cling to those and turn to them immediately in that moment of temptation, the devil doesn't stand a chance. So I pray that is true in your own life and that your Lenten journey can be an example of that. Uh, if you have questions about that, please let us know. And until next time, God bless you, and I will see you in the Eucharist.